Welcome to Marketing for a Digital World, a podcast series introducing students to a variety of marketing professionals as they share practical career advice, examples, and stories from their careers to help students deepen their understanding of foundational marketing theory and practice. These episodes are hosted by British Columbia Institute of Technology professor Tracy Renzullo and are a key feature within the new interactive textbook of the same name authored by Scott Erickson the Charles A. Dana Professor and Chair of Marketing in the School of Business at Ithaca College. New podcast episodes are available for free each week during the 2022-23 academic year, providing listeners with thought-provoking and movement-enabling content that can be absorbed on the bus, at the gym, or walking between classes. Marketing for a Digital World is produced by Flip Learning, a publisher of exciting new books for undergraduates, authored exclusively by professors who have won major teaching awards. For more information about this new introductory marketing textbook, as well as our other titles, please click the link or go to fliplearning.com. So John, can you talk about the role that customer relationship management plays in all of this? Because that's obviously a key part and you were obviously very involved with Salesforce. So maybe giving students an idea of how important having a system like that actually is. Yeah, I might, you know, um, students, I would definitely, if I were you, spend the time to understand salesforce.com. It's a huge advantage to come out and put on your resume to say that you know this, because right now it's sort of, it's the standard in marketing. And what's, what CRM is doing is it's basically, uh, you know, the the database of all of your customer interactions. It's the database of your customers, you know, and it's also the database of your prospects. So it's this, it's this backbone that once you have that, all marketing, all sales tools, use that as their central database. So if you understand the essence of it, you understand how to use it, everything else is going to sort of fall into place as you start to look at other technology tools. Now it, it CRM, um, it, it's, uh, origins were really customer relationship management. It was designed to manage the relationship much more effectively. It became in, in many ways, hey, this is where your sales manager can see what's working and what's not. It's advanced quite a lot since its early days. And it really has become now this central backbone that allows you to have much greater intelligence about your customer, your marketplace, and where you can have a much more effective um, communication with a prospect or client, allowing you to see history that has happened before, allowing you to understand that this timing may not be appropriate for someone, allowing you to see that, gee, somebody opened your email or didn't open your email. So it becomes a very effective tool of how you're going to market and sell. And it's something you really need to, to understand. And it's, um, um, it's hard, you know, sometimes when you're hiring people and you see someone that doesn't have that knowledge, you realize you're going to have to train them on it. It's not impossible to learn, but it's an advantage if you really understand it when you're applying for a job. So as far as the data collection in Salesforce, is how much of that is inputted automatically from the data that you're collecting versus somebody manually entering information in? So are sales, um, salespeople actually putting in information that they learn about the clients because it's a lot more complicated because it's not just one person. So in a consumer environment, it's one person that we're really getting to know. But in this business space, you have a company and then you have, you know, this decision making by committee. So how does that 
play a role in terms of the individual information we're collecting and then the corporate information that we're collecting in a tool like Salesforce? Um, you are you know, certainly putting in data from the interactions that you're having with your prospects and customers, but you're enriching the information in there from other sources. So you're putting in information about the company from public sources. So you have that intelligence that you can you can use. You're also enriching it from other um, signals that you might be getting from marketing or social media. So that's the part where it's a database that yes, you're going to interact with, but it's not going to be solely dependent on the salesperson to put in all the data. It's coming from a variety of different sources. That's what makes it very unique, allowing you to use those factors together to make your outreach much more effective. Okay. So um, John, can we talk about the waterfall framework that Serious Decisions um, created and I guess came up with various iterations of that and kept improving on it because it has become something that is sort of an industry standard that many, many organizations are using. So I want to spend some time now talking about that framework, how it came to be and what it actually means for a B2B marketer. Sure. So, um, you know, if you were to Google, you know, demand waterfall, you'll, you'll probably see a bunch of images come up from serious decisions that was that was created. And the idea behind it was this is in the, the uh, earlier days of digital marketing. Um, there was no way to really see that you have marketing responses, right? So somebody raised their hand, great, I've got a gazillion of those. But what are the steps an organization's taking until you get to a sale? And if I understood that, I kind of could understand that, well, do I need more on the top of this, of this waterfall or is there something going on in the middle? So the waterfall basically starts with, you get a number of responses, we call them inquiries. Then from there, marketing typically is going to be doing some other marketing techniques to determine if they're ready or not. And eventually they're gonna create a marketing qualified lead. Then once they have that, they're gonna pass that to the sales organization. And the sales organization has to accept the lead or reject the lead. And why would they reject the lead you might ask? Well, perhaps they're working on it. Maybe the data is bad. Um, there could be a variety of reasons. Once they accept it, then they're gonna work on it and they're gonna make it sales pipeline. Then eventually it's gonna close. So the question becomes, what are the conversion rates in between? What do all of those mean? I might know as an example, if I see that, gee, everything's going into the pipeline, but boy, once it goes from pipeline to close, something's going wrong. That signals that, well, I may not necessarily need more at the top. I need to improve something in the middle. Maybe I have a product problem, or maybe there is an issue with uh, leads should not be passing through as fast as, as they should. So the waterfall became this diagnostic tool that organizations could use to determine what they're doing well, what they're not doing well. And the only way they could do it is to benchmark them against other organizations, which is something that we would provide them. And that's where it became a very, very effective tool for serious decisions. So the, there was nothing at, really at that time that they had that. And it also, a byproduct of it was, it allowed marketing to really measure how effective they were. Because essentially you're saying, I'm going to take all of your marketing, we're going to put it into this waterfall to see that how many responses do you have? How many of those became, you know, uh, marketing qualified leads? How many were accepted by the sales force? How many became pipeline? What closed? And I'm looking at all of your marketing, your inbound marketing, your outbound marketing, all of your events. So it became this tool to be able to provide that level of measurement. And um, it really also, you could, there's a lot you could do with it because now you can really determine from that, what is the ROI of marketing? So we 
created that. And um, the first question you might ask is, why did you call it the waterfall? And frankly, it was, <laughs> it was just kind of a mistake. We were we had uh, were solving a problem for a customer who was in the financial services industry, and there was something called a waterfall chart. And we said, yeah, it's kind of like your waterfall chart. You know, it falls off, um, you know, from step to step. And they got it. So it just sort of stuck. And that's what that's that's really where it came from. Now, over time, we found that um, this goes back to the point I made that, you know, your product, and your strategy needs to evolve over time. Well, digital marketing continue to improve. And we actually uh, there actually are three versions of the waterfall. That was the first I just gave you. The second now suddenly went and looked to say, well, in between all of those stages, there's a lot going on there. Um, you know, there's. Uh, the qualification of a lead can happen through technology. It also can happen through a person you know, qualifying them. So we need to be able to track that. Um, there's different rules that you might put in place to say, well, instead of going step to step, if let's say I'm marketing to the chief marketing officer and they say they're the chief marketing officer, do I want to continue going through that path or should that go directly to sales? So all these route around rules needed to be created. So that created a second waterfall. Then the third, this was really the advancement of data that's that's happened in the in the marketplace. Um, when you really think about it, you're selling to and marketing to a buying center. So go go back to that Ford example where I'm selling to accounting. Maybe there's 20 people involved. So do I want to look at 20 individuals going through the waterfall? Or do I want to look at a buying center going through the waterfall? And we call that a demand unit that actually now suddenly you're sort of following. So that became the third version of it. So it became a very effective tool. And that's, I think, reflective of a lot of the models and frameworks that we we built at Sirius. And that was probably one of the one that was, was the most fun. 